0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's go to the Word of God. You ready? Let's jump right into it. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings 18. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 18. How many have your Bibles or some format or... Device with the Bible, Amen. I'm aware that sometimes in this day and time we don't turn pages; we push buttons, or some of us just look at the screens. Whatever you have to do, get it. It's all Second Kings, chapter 18, beginning at verse one. It says, "In the year, in the third year of Israel's king Hosea son of Eli." Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, daughter, or Abby, whichever one, depends on if you're from the south or not, but anyway, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight. Notice that, just as his ancestor David had done, he removed the high places, he shattered the sacred pillars. Cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into, broke into pieces the bronze or the brass snake that Moses made. For until then, the Israelites were burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Verse 5. Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. Not one of, his, not one of the kings of Judah was like... Listen to this. Listen to this statement. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him either before him or after him. Isn't that great? He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commandments the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him, and wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its borders from watchtower to fortified city. I'm going to talk to you in just a few moments. I'll tell you my title on down as I begin to open up this text to you. Um, this text is built around uh, King Hezekiah, as you could see in, in, our, in, our, in the scriptures that we read here in 2 Kings. And of course, when you read throughout the book of Kings, it talks about the different kings and kind of um, their accomplishments and all that they had done through whether they were the kings of Judah or the kings of Israel. But in particular today as I was reading, you know, that statement really caught me me when I read that there was no other kings like Judah, like him, either before him or after. So it grabbed my attention as I was reading, so I began to look more into Hezekiah's life. Hezekiah was considered one of the few kings of Judah who had a personal and ongoing relationship with God. Isn't that something? They said that historically he was one, that was one of the few that considered it actually had a real thriving relationship with God. He was known in this time, in the time of Judah, to be a great revivalist and a reformer. A reformer this, uh, is defined as one that brings about the improvement or amendment of what is wrong, corrupt, or unsatisfactory. And his greatest reforms, in other words, Hezekiah came, when he came and stepped on the scene as a a young adult at 25 years old, the scene was horrible. It was a scene that was filled with idol worship and idolatry and degradation of sin, cultural corruption that surrounded God and God's people. And even the temple, it was just consumed with darkness and filth. This is the situation that he stepped into as king. And the Bible said that in the middle of the situation that he became one of the greatest reformers and revivalists of Judah. The scripture said that it was Hezekiah who reopened the temple doors. Those to- the doors of the temple had been shut. The scripture said that he not only did he reopen the temple doors, but he reinstituted the priesthood, the priesthood that would go in and actually make sacrifice on the behalf of the people. And also the scripture said that he reinstated the Passover, um, celebrating the Passover as they would celebrate under um, back in Egypt in Exodus chapter 12 when 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 the destroyer had the Passover because of the blood of the lamb that was a pla- placed upon the houses of the children of israel and the scripture said as a result listen to this that everywhere he went he prospered everywhere that he went god was with him and he experienced great victory in other words he had god's provision he had god's presence and he had god's power this is the man this great king hezekiah and this morning I want to talk to you from, from this particular text and, and some of the things from his life. If it, it, we're going to look at some of the highlights of Hezekiah that really made him the king and caused him to stand out. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 concerning you and I, those that have been born of Christ, that we are kings and priests of the Most High God. And as kings, we can learn, or queens, I'll throw that in for the ladies. I don't want to leave you out. We can learn from this king on how he became a great man of God, a great leader in a time that was desperate for reform, in a time that seemingly nothing could be done and that he would have the testimony That everywhere that he went, he prospered, God was with him, and he experienced great power and great victory. Number one, the scripture says, as we're tracked through this text, if you're following me, we can learn from Hezekiah. Number one, the first thing I want you to see. Notice the scripture said that he was the son of Ahaz. Now, when you read through, uh, through texts like this, sometimes you can read over things like this. But everything is put in the Bible for a reason. When you understand, it said that he was the son of Ahaz. Ahaz was the, the king before he- Hezekiah. Ahaz, his father, was a wicked king. He was a nasty king. He, matter of fact, he was one that had contributed to the majority of the condition that Judah was in during this time. Wicked, idolized king. He worshipped all types of... Idol gods he would even take the, the 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 utensils out of the temple and he would sell them to the enemy or use it as or, or use it um, uh, to give to the enemy uh, for idol worship and temple worship of their gods. This was Hezekiah's father, his father was a wicked man, but I want you to notice the contrast. The scripture teaches us that Ahaz was one of the most wickedest kings of Judah. But then it said that his son, Hezekiah, was one of the most godly kings of Judah. Notice the contrast. His daddy was considered the most wicked But the son was considered the most godliest. What am I saying to you this morning? What I'm saying to you is what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel chapter 18. He said, However, if if a man begets a son who sees all his sins which his father has done and considers but does not do likewise, but has executed my judgments and walked in my statutes, listen to this he shall not die for the iniquity of his father, but he shall surely live. In other words Hezekiah teaches us it don't have to be like father like son in the negative sense he said just because my daddy was messed up just because I'm gonna use it my, my parents were jacked up just because my background was a mess it doesn't mean that I have to fall under the same trap under the same junk and the same mess just because the generation before me did not honor God and love God and live for God it doesn't mean that I have to fall in that same trap. They may have been under all types of addictions and of bondages and all types of sin and corruption but it doesn't mean that that has to be my lifestyle. I, I may have come from wicked parents or wicked grandparents but according to this scripture the wickedness of my uh, former generations does not have to be the wickedness of the present generation. It takes somebody like Hezekiah to draw a spiritual line in the sand and says it stops here. Addiction stops here. Poverty stops here. Dysfunction stops here. Brokenness stops here. Come on. Divorce stops here. Godlessness stops here. I don't care if nobody before you ever ever graduated from high school or went to college or did anything significant, you be the first one to do it. Make a decision today. I'll be a catalyst for my family. I'll be a forerunner for others. Is anybody hearing me in here this morning? I come to declare to you, it doesn't matter if it's never been done, you be the first to do it. Hezekiah had to make up in his mind. He said, You're gonna either be one of three things in life. You're gonna be an accuser, you're gonna be an excuser, or you're gonna be an chooser or you gonna be a chooser. You can sit around and accuse everybody else while you can't do better. If they would, if they had them, if theta, if they if they data, 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 or you can make excuses on why you can't get better. I don't have this and I don't have this. If that, if that, if that. This is the same thing that Jesus came up on a man that was laying lame for 37 years and he said, he looked at him and he said, what's up man? He said, well you know what? I wouldn't be here but every time the water is trouble I don't have any man to pick me up. I don't have nobody that will pick me up and put me in the water and when I do try to go, everybody runs and I miss it every time and Jesus just cut straight to the chase he said I didn't ask you that I didn't ask you who wasn't there for you. I didn't ask you about who didn't help you and who did what to you or who didn't do what. I got one question for you. Do you want to be made whole? What do you want in life? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? I'm not asking you about yesterday. I'm asking you right now. And you're either going to be an accuser or you're going to be an excuser or you can be a chooser. I can choose to make a difference. Uh, I choose come on to make a difference I choose life and life more abundantly because I realize that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me he breaks the victim's mentality he breaks the cycle God money. I hear break the cycle some of you need to break the cycle And your family, some of you need to decide that I'm going to be the one that breaks the cycle. This mess has to stop here and now. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Come on. You got Jesus on the inside of you. You got the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says, number two, that he did what was right in in the Lord's sight. Notice that he did what was right in the Lord's sight. In other words, his desire was not to impress men, but to please God. He said, I'm concerned about doing right in God's sight. I put it like this. He was more concerned about how God saw him versus how man saw him. His character with God was priority over his reputation with man. He lived to please God and not man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 the apostles and the the apostles have been out preaching and evangelizing and they were preaching in the name of Jesus every time they declare that name and speak that name and and, and, and preach that name healing would take place deliverance would take place salvation would take place demons would put on flee and I notice this the Bible says the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious folk got upset and they said you can do all the teaching you want to Just don't use that name. It's funny how the name of Jesus always has a tendency to stir up stuff. You can pray, you can do all that, but you can pray to a God. You can talk about God, 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 but don't mention that Jesus That is an indication. See, we need to wake up as a church. That's the very indication to us to know that there is something about that name. That name is not a normal name, that name is not a common name. Everything gets worked up when you start saying Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm going to tell you why. Demons flee when you say Jesus. The gates of hell are shut when you say Jesus. Angels are dispensed when you said Jesus. And they said, You got to quit talking about that name jesus and the apostle stood up and said do you think we're gonna obey man instead of obey god are you crazy you think we're more concerned about what you think about us talking about jesus than what god has called us to do we're going to let God be true and every man a liar. They understood we're not here to be popular. We're here on purpose. We're here with a kingdom agenda. I didn't come here to impress anybody. I didn't come in here just to be accepted by everybody because if the truth be told, when you really start walking this thing out, everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to accept you. You're not going to fit into everything. That's why the Bible says be not conformed to this world, but be ye transform. We were sitting here not to be conformed, but but to be conformed, but to be transformers. You're not going to fit in. I used to have, I used to to mess with me. I used to get tore up and, and I just want everybody to But you know what? I'm getting a little older and now I really don't care. I really don't give a rip. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I live for him. I live to serve him. I live to honor him. I'm up here this morning but for no other reason than to glory for him. You didn't die on a cross for me. You didn't shed no blood for me. You didn't take no scars for me. How you gonna tell me? I will stand up and live holy and righteous for my God. I'm gonna let God be true and every man a liar. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. I love you, but I'm not trying to impress you. I love you, but hey, this is what I live for. I remember being talked about I remember being made fun of I remember before I stepped into full-time ministry I, when I worked for GE they talked about me they called me Bible boy they said look and they couldn't understand number one the faith how is he so young and keep getting promoted hmm I'm gonna tell you why yeah I've been here for 30 years and and they never gave me a promotion uh, I was there for a year and got promoted three times uh, I don't understand what is it about him all he do is walk around with that Bible all he do is go to his car every day and listen to worship music hmm you ought to get a hint every now and then they talked about me made fun of me but I can't tell you how many times that some of those old employees have still called me today and asked me for prayer and do I pray for them yes at the moment I didn't fit in at the moment they didn't like me but I tell you what when it comes to my Jesus things have changed don't you go God draw back because people talk about you for some Jesus has been too good to me. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Boy, I wish our young people would grab a hold of that. Don't be ashamed don't be ashamed in that school don't be ashamed on that college campus you walk in there come on like your daddy owned the place cause he does cause your daddy is Jesus your daddy is God almighty you don't have to be ashamed because you love to worship God and praise God and love God and you don't just fit into the world and do everything the world wants you to do oh my God is it, If I need some unashamed praises in here this morning and I'll move on Jesus, he did what was right in the Lord's sight. Number two, number three, he relied upon the Lord. What do you mean? He trusted in God. He relied upon him. It's demonstrated in his prayer life. Hezekiah was faced with two major battles during this time. He had an external battle of an enemy called Sennacherib. He had an internal battle called sickness. The Bible said concerning Sennacherib that he sent his old wicked voices, his minions, with, with a negative report, intimidating words to Hezekiah. He said, I'm coming down there and I'm coming to Take names and territory. I'm coming to take over and demolish everything you got. And who do you think is going to stop me? There's nobody you have, Hezekiah, to stop me. Oh, oh, you going to trust in your God? You mean like all those other nations that trusted in their God and thought that their God could hold me back? Thought that their God could keep me back? Thought that their God could protect them? Where is their God now? Look at him. The problem, Mr. Sennacherib, is that 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 you reduce see see when he referred to God to Hezekiah's God he messed up and used the little GOD he minimized Hezekiah's God down to the size of the gods of all the other gods of the nations which were false gods handmade gods they crafted themselves and what he didn't know that you are you're trying to intimidate Hezekiah by sending this message to him. But in reality, you're talking against his God. And the Bible said when he got that negative report, here's a lesson for us. He didn't see when, they, when he got all that they said they were going to take over. They're going to tear down things. The Bible said Hezekiah took that report. Watch this. He didn't text anybody. He didn't call anybody. He didn't get on social media. He didn't start Instagram and he didn't go Facebook live, Instagram live. He did none of no 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 no. He didn't talk. No 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 no. He got he said, "Okay." He he got, this is what he said he going to do. Oh, okay. And he took it the Bible said and he took it straight to the temple. And the Bible said that when he got in the temple, he said he spread it out before the Lord. Notice that. He spread it out before the Lord. Oh my God. To say God, you got a problem. Mm. See, that's what, when you really understand the power of prayer, it has more to do about him than it really does to do about you. Your job is to take it to the temple. Somebody needs to get that word this way. You've been taking it to friends. You've been taking it to cousins. You've been taking it to employees. You've been taking it everywhere else except for the temple take that thing to the temple spread it out before the lord because when he took it before the lord he said lord look what he's saying about you look what he said you cannot do and god said oh really that's all right okay let me handle this and the bible said he sent one angel god almighty one angel that night slew a hundred and eighty five thousand men hezekiah what Woke up the next morning and he walking around dead. What happened when he prayed, come on, and he relied on his God? God sent angelic enforcements to back him up. Notice he had 185,000 problems coming against him, but he prayed one prayer that released one angel that took it all out in one night. Oh my God, that's the power of prayer. One prayer, release one angel and take care of all your problems in one night. Come on. Does anybody rely and trust on God? He relied on the Lord when an internal enemy of sickness hit his body. The Bible said the prophet Isaiah walked in and he said, sir, it's time for you to set your house in order. Let me translate that. Pull out your insurance policy. Call the funeral home. Call the pastor. Get the obituary together. This thing is a wrap. It's all over. That's how serious it was. He said, today you shall die. You're going to die. This sickness is going to take you out. Hezekiah said, oh. Once again. He said, okay. He took it. He didn't pitch a fit. He didn't go crazy. He didn't go. To, he didn't tweet. He didn't text. He didn't message. But the Bible said that he turned to the wall and he began to pray and said, "Oh God." Remember, He began to remind God of his faithfulness. Remember God. Look back over my life of all that. I did everything. And it's not that God will do. Let me just throw this and do things because of work. But works that we do. Don't think it's a merit thing. Let, let me throw that in there as a disclaimer. But he was just pouring out his heart and sincerity. But the fact that the first thing he did was take it to God. It was an act of faith saying. I know what's been said. But God even knowing what's been said. I know that you are greater than what's being said and watch this see in my mind this in my mind I saw it like like Isaiah I mean just cold this slaughter prophet I saw him just walk in like this to Hezekiah hey today you're gonna die set your house in order get it together <laughs> that's all the bible said He didn't say he didn't offer prayer. He didn't offer counseling. He didn't have to offer nothing. I mean, anything I can do for you. You ain't got long to be here. Can I get anything for you? He laughed. No. But the Bible said that he couldn't get off the property. He was about to step out into into the street and get in his Bentley chariot and drive off. But as he stepped out, the Bible said God spoke to him again. He said, Isaiah, yes, Lord, go back. What do you mean go back? Go back and tell Hezekiah, I've heard his prayers. I'm prophesying to somebody. I've heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. And I will heal your body. You will not die, but in three days you will recover. Matter of fact, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And this is what the Lord told me to tell somebody. The same mouth that brought you bad news is going to have to come back and tell you good news. The same doctor that told you you were not going to make it he's going to have to look you in the face and say I can't explain it it must be a miracle I still believe in the power of prayer does anybody still believe that prayer can change things turn around things reverse things set things in order shut the mouth of the enemy rebuke sickness out of your body and cause you to live a long life if you believe it give Jesus one more shout and I'll move on He said, he said, I relied on the Lord, but not only did I rely on him, he said this, he remained faithful to God. And it said, he did not turn from following him. He kept the commandments of the Lord that God commanded Moses. Notice he said, he remained faithful. He kept God's commandments. He continued to follow. Watch this. He was saying he, because Hezekiah understood this. It all starts with me. The change I want to see is the change I must be. He said, if I want to see it changed out there, I got to believe first that it be changed in here. Oh my God. Come on somebody. Anybody hearing me in there? He said, I, I can't. I have to model what I want to see ministered. Let me say it how the old school I have to practice what I want to see preached. He said, I have to be an example not an exception. I realize that that the only way to turn this thing around, I got to be the one to step up the plate. I got to start showing worship. I I gotta start showing prayer i gotta start showing devotion to god oh let, let me give you see john maxwell has a law it's called the law of the picture and it means this people do what people see not what you say see see uh, i was growing up and they said my, i heard i heard my you know grown folk grown folks what we call grown folk, don't do as don't do as i do do as i say because they knew what they were come on what they were doing was wrong but because of their authority, they just want to tell you to do right, but they're doing wrong. Don't do as I say, do it. Don't do as I do, do as I say. It doesn't work that way. Listen, your life is more caught than taught. And this principle goes not just for us as individuals, listen, it goes for parents. Oh, mom and dad. For your children, they're going to model more of what they see more than they're going to model what they hear. I'm telling you, they, they're they looking at your life from little bitty on. We dedicated little babies today, and we held them sweet down. But they're looking up at mom and daddy all their life. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking. And you can say all you want to say. And I'm not saying it won't be ineffective, but I promise you, they will model more of what they see than what you say. That's why we have to take the initiative. we got to lead by High example. Oh, I wish the church could get this. I'm going to preach for real now. Because we need to be the example for a world that is out there. We need to model peace. We need to model love. We need to model unity. We need to model joy. We need to model righteousness. We need to model holiness. How can we expect to change the world when we won't allow ourselves to be changed? We got to be the change that we want to see. But no, no, no. And what we got to recognize is a strategy of hell especially in 2017 that keeps suddenly trying to come in and divide the church and separate believers and the body of christ through differences and through different types of thoughts and what we feel listen we all got our opinions and we all got our feelings about stuff but at some point you got to ask yourself am i a christian i said am i a christian because I'm going to bust some bubbles here. If I'm a Christian, your culture don't come before Christianity. Your or your background don't come before Christianity. If you say I'm a follower of Christ, this is the first rule of authority in your life. And so guess what? We got to model this. I'm tired of it. Every day I rebuke demons of, the, of discord and strife and contention. We won't hold this. Let's model it up in the body of Christ. The scripture said... We have to show ourselves as patterns of good work. I'm going to go ahead and say, let me, can I just preach a little bit? What's wrong with you? I'm passionate about this because I know hell trembles. I know demons shake when we get together as one force to be reckoned with. Understand we can be different. They were different in the upper room. But when the Holy Ghost came up in there, come on, come on, something dynamic happened. I ain't going to get much shout, but that's what's wrong. Let me go ahead and preach this because God is not coming back. Listen, he's not coming back for a black church. He's not coming back for a white church. He's not coming back for a Hispanic church. He's not coming back for a Latino church. He's not coming back for an Asian church. He's not coming back for a red church, a yellow church, a green church. Let me go ahead. He's not coming back for Presbyterians. He's not coming back for Methodists. He's not coming back for Baptists. He's not coming back for Church of God. He's not coming back for church of god in christ he's not coming back for lutheran pentecostal or whatever name that you want to put it back put on it he said i'm coming back for one church one that is without spot wrinkle and blemish one that lives according to this book where the real church stand up where the real christians stand up where the real lovers of god stand up and say we will be the model." Oh, you better praise him right now. He's coming for one church. He's coming for one church. One church. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. All the things that burdened the heart of Jesus before he left here. In John 17, he prayed over and over and over and over and over. I pray, God, that they would be one as we are one. Could it be Jesus sensed over 2,000 years ago that the one thing that would plague his church in years to come would be a spirit of division? That before he went to the cross, he interceded and said, God, make them one as we are one. Go back and read your Bible. It was the cry of his heart. That's what's really considered the Lord's prayer. It was his prayer to the Father. I know you're taking me out and we're leaving them. But pray that they're one. Pray that they're one. Last but not least. Hezekiah did something that was unique. The scripture said this. Notice it said there was no other king like him before him or after him. Why did he he have that testimony? Why did he have that testimony? I'm going to tell you why. Because, see, there was something that every other king failed to do. Listen to this. The common testimony. Testimony. Of other kings that preceded and even after Hezekiah was this in Judah. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense to the high places. What are you saying, Javon? Other kings, watch this. Settled for partial repentance. Repentance. And not complete breakthrough. They said, you know what? I'm not sinning as much as I used to. You know, I'm not doing every drug that I used to. I used to do six. I'm down to four now. I think that's good. I'm good. I made a little improvement. Hezekiah said, "Uh uh-uh. That's the problem. Because what, let, let, what you let remain, it's a matter of time before it comes back to get you. And it happened in every generation. Every generation got sucked back in and pulled back in because they settled for partial repentance and not complete breakthrough. Hezekiah said, as a king, I've been called to tear down everything. Every high place, every idol, every stronghold, everything that has diverted God's people attention away from wholly serving him. He said it's got to go. And he broke it down. Have you settled for partial repentance instead of complete breakthrough? Philippians said, he that began a good work in you will perform it. Look at that. Listen, that word on to what partial? No completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't partly hang on the cross he didn't partially sacrifice himself he didn't partially shed his blood he wasn't partially wounded and he didn't partially carry the chat. no 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 he gave his all his everything he took every sin of the world into himself declaring that I come when he said it was finished he finished it on the cross and here today in this room in 2017 at the 1130 service he has not changed his mind his desire Desire is that every one of his people will live in complete breakthrough in Jesus name <clears throat> David's family was ramshacked the enemy came in the Amalekites tore their houses down set them on fire took their children as they can come to the keys took their children Took their wives and took their children and they came back. Their house were in ruins. And David fell on his knees and said, oh God, what do I do? He inquired of the Lord. And he said, Lord, shall I pursue? He said, should I go after what belongs to me? Or should I just let it go? You know, I mean, I, you know, I'll just, you know, just start from Shall I pursue? And God said, pursue. Get up and pursue. But he didn't stop. See, David asked, should he pursue? God said, that's partial. Mm. You want to pursue. See, David had a, almost a revenge mindset. But then God added to this. He said, you shall pursue. Watch this. Complete breakthrough. And you shall recover all. I, I don't know if you just heard what, did you hear? And you shall recover all you're going to get back everything that hell has took from you there's not one thing that you're not going to get back I don't care every inch, every centimeter, every part don't you settle for a partial repentance, I want you to get back everything the enemy has stolen I come to declare this morning you're not going to settle for partial but you're going to walk and walk and complete breakthrough. You're gonna pursue and recover all. Oh, somebody need to get some faith and an attitude and said, "I'm taking it back. I'm getting everything back that the enemy has stolen from me. I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my peace back. I'm getting my children back. I'm getting my business back. I'm getting my money back, my career back, my dream back, my vision back, my comfort back. I'm not." settling for pieces I'm not settling for partial I'm gonna get everything back that hell has took from me the Bible said if the thief be found he shall return oh my god he shall return sevenfold God said, I'll make the enemy not only bring you back what he stole, but make him give you seven times more than what you had. Oh, my God. I wish I don't know if I'm in the right church this morning. I don't know if I'm in the right church this morning. See, that's biblical restoration. Biblical restoration doesn't just get you back to where you were. It gets you beyond where you were. Increase, overflow, in abundance. But you can't settle. Partial repentance, you have to say, I want complete breakthrough. I want what's mine, and if God said it's mine, it's mine, and no devil in hell is gonna stop me from getting it. Mm. I don't know about you. I got some stuff that I'm going to get back in Jesus' name. I believe a God that said, I'm going to restore the years that the canker worm and the palm worm and the locusts have eaten. The enemy thought he had ramshacked through some of your lives and thought that he could just go through and tear you down and pull you down and that you would never bounce back. But he done messed around and let you get in the wrong service this morning. He didn't let you hear a word that says, "Uh uh-oh. Oh oh I, I kind of laid down till I got the free chapel but when I leave this service today I'm leaving with a chip on my shoulder and God I'm going to go back to my house and I'm going to start gimme that back gimme that back gimme that back you're going to walk on your job tomorrow and say that's mine uh-huh walk in that business tomorrow and say that's mine I know your children may not be here yet but pull your picture out and say them mine and they coming back home too come on does anybody believe and a God that say you can recover all. Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.